Heavenly Father, we center ourselves right now, our scattered senses, Lord. As we get into your word, Lord, we need you more and more today. We need less of us and more of you, and we center Jesus. And this word is all about you, Jesus. Everything is about you, Jesus. And so we thank you, Lord. Will you, Holy Spirit, convict people who need to be convicted, encourage people who need to be encouraged. Love, love, love. Let them feel the joy of the Lord and the love of the Lord on them today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, over the last couple of sermons, I have been talking about this thing, and this thing is the identity of Jesus. We've been talking a lot about who Jesus is. If you are your first time here, we're in a study on Mark, and we're going through the way of Jesus. We're looking at the teaching and the life of Jesus. If we call ourselves disciples, we have to know who Jesus is. We have to know how we follow him. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit more about identity, because today, we're going to talk about a critical point in Jesus's ministry. And what we see is that and there's this profound understanding of who Jesus really is that we'll get today. And it's very important in modern Christianity that we get this point. We, we have to understand that we as uh, believers are called to be in the presence of Jesus. Uh, if you're new here, I'm going to do a little family meeting. All right. So if you're new here, you can either turn it off or you can, you can listen with intrigue. But I believe that the Lord is calling us in this next season to a deeper understanding of his presence, okay? He's calling us to spend time on an individual level and on a corporate level in silence and in his word, hearing from Jesus, spending time in his presence, reflecting on Jesus in our life, releasing our pains and our struggles and our challenges to him and doing this. And this is what the whole topic of this sermon is gonna be it. Sitting in his glory, sitting in his majesty, and sitting in his splendor. These are very big words. They can either hit you or they can fly right past you. But if you don't understand the glory and the majesty and the splendor of Jesus and of God, you can completely miss what we are trying to do here. Uh, that's what I was just praying the whole time. Lord, will you literally let us experience your presence? Because when you experience the presence of the Lord, you are experiencing glory. Do you really understand this? Because everything inside me has expectations that today we would just get a glimpse of Jesus's glory, just a little bit of his radiance, just a little bit of his power and his might because it changes everything. And one of the things that I'm really, I talk a lot about is the anemic church. The anemic church is dangerous. As the world gets more looking less like Jesus, the, the church has to look more like Jesus. So, so we have to understand this. We have to let it change us. And one of the things that's really challenging is there oftentimes is a cap. I talked about it earlier. Like in my head, I understand it, but in my heart, I have a hard time getting there. So today we're going to look at Jesus and what he does in an important moment in his life where it should be like this. What in the world is going on? All right, so let's get in there. We really can't miss this because I'm asking the Spirit to just move in this place. When we enter into the presence of the Lord, we always experience glory, okay? 
When we enter into the presence of the Lord, we always experience glory. Mark 9, 1, and he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Someone says, come with power. Come with power, okay? Jesus had just laid it out to his disciples. If you remember, yes, last week we talked about this. He has just said, you have an idea of who the Messiah is. I'm going to change that idea of Messiah, and I'm going to say, I'm actually coming to suffer and die for you. And then he goes even further. He's like, and you're going to have the same calling, okay? This is very painful, I would imagine, to the disciples. And so he's saying, I need to give them an encouraging word, okay? This is hard stuff. And so he's going to take his inner circle up, and there's some wild stuff is going to happen. He's going to give a tough word, and then he's going to give assurance to them, and he's going to show them the kingdom coming in power. Now, I was thinking about this idea of power. We experience power on a daily basis. I, I've traveled a lot in my, my past career. I've been to a lot of remote villages. When you enter in a remote village, it's very uh, bizarre because nothing is powered. One, you see the stars for the first time in your life. It's amazing when you get rid of streetlights, how many stars are up there in heaven. It's crazy. But you also just can't charge things, right? We are so, like, we, we just are so nonchalant of the idea that we could just power anything at any time. We're doing this building project. You would not believe how much this church has had, uh, or you could talk to our treasurer, but how much we as a church have had to spend on just bringing this thing up to power code. Like you have, in America, we have, not only do you have to have power, that's fine, but you have to have outlets every certain amount of time. Every hallway has to have this, all, all this stuff. Power is a big deal for us. And here's the deal, we just plug stuff in and we're, and we're just like no, so nonchalant about it. We should be, our minds should be blown when we t plug stuff in. We should be blown. I, I always take the kids up to the North Cascades once a year. We always like to go hiking up there. Most beautiful place in the world. If you're new here, my Army friends in particular, Air Force friends, you got to get up to the North Cascades. It's so gorgeous. And there is a dam there. Now, most of our power comes from hydroelectric dams here. I, I don't know if it's most. Someone's going to say that, but I've, a lot of it does, okay? And what's amazing is it's this wall that holds back all this water, and the rushing water is coming in, and somehow it's getting narrowed down, and it's moving this turbine that then produces power that then some poor saps had to dig and build and create this whole power grid from this mountain all the way out there to Seattle and Tacoma and all this grid and all this stuff just so that we can have a little bit of power. It should be like every time we plug in, like what in the world, how is this even happening? And have you ever been electrocuted? Raise your hand if you've been electrocuted. Wow, that is alarming. All right, building team, let's make sure we take a note. Tony, our insurance guy's like, we are changing the model on how we're going to do this uh, building project. Uh, that is alarming, actually. I thought I was going to be like one of the few. I, I was playing basketball one time, and my coach asked me to unplug the scoreboard, right? And I, I unplugged, and I was sweaty, and it just got me. And it's like this amazing, like you will never experience anything like getting electrocuted. You can't move. It's like you know you got to move, but you're just sitting there shaking. It's unbelievable. Anybody that's been electrocuted knows. Uh, everyone is like just shaking their head like this. This is a crazy, I'm sorry, I'm going to have a hard time getting over that. But what Jesus is saying 
is that your little 120 volt or your 240 volt in your house is nothing compared to the kingdom of God. Can we believe that today? Nothing compared to the kingdom of God. And already the disciples have seen the reign of God through Jesus' ministry. They have seen the power. Not only have they seen the power, but if you remember, they get called out into the power. They're saying, now you're going to go out and you're going to proclaim the message. You're going to heal the sick and you're going to actually cast out some demons. They have experienced the power. But Jesus is saying there's an event that actually I'm going to give you that you're going to see the kingdom and power. Mark's going to jump right into it. Mark 9, 2 through 13 after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before him. them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. The glory of the Lord is displayed here. The glory of the Lord is displayed here. Jesus takes his inner circle. He takes the three. These are the three that he always, he takes in and he's like, there's, there's the three, the 12 and the 70, right? You know this, but he takes these special three. These are the three that were with them when they raised Jairus' daughter. It's the three that's with them in the garden. It's Peter, James, and John. And he's going uh, to take them up and he's going to take them up to this mountain. What do we know about mountains? Mountains throughout the Bible is where God speaks, God moves, God declares. There's power in the mountains. And it's probably the Mount Hermon, and it's probably Caesarea, around Caesarea Philippi. And so it's the furthest place that Jesus was away from Jerusalem. Now, why is this important? This is happening right before he's going to do his march down to Jerusalem, where he's going to suffer, and he's going to die. And so he's like, I got to show them what is happening in the heavenly space, all right? He's like, We're going to pay, I'm going to pay the ultimate price. I'm going to die from your sins, and you're going to be confused. I got to give you something. I got to give you an encouragement. And he's like, I'm going to take these three, and I'm going to show you who I really am. And he is transfigured. Now, this word transfigured, it, it, it's translated in, in English. It could be like metamorphosis. There, there is, he changed into another form. He's not merely changed in outward appearance, but for a brief time, Jesus's human body was transformed. It was glorified, okay? It was glorified. And in that moment, the three disciples see him for all his glory. They see him for all their glory. And they see him for who he was from the beginning of time, and they see him for who he's going to be when he comes back and establishes the kingdom on earth here in the, when he comes back in the present future. So what we see is he's going to, they're going to see this and they're going to get a glimpse. And it appears that when they get a glimpse that it's like mind-blown time, all right? We're going to have mind-blown time here. Jesus in his human form radiates to the point that he, even his garments begin reflecting the glory of God. And the word glory in Hebrew is a word for substance and weight. So I think in the, in the New Testament, it's like there's a weight to it. There's a substance to it. There is a power to it. And here on earth, we get just a little glimpse of the glory. And when we do, we get something that changes us forever. We get something that changes it forever. This is why I'm so passionate about this. Many Christians can go through their entire life and not be passionate or not get into the presence of the Lord, not fully understand the glory of the Lord, not fully understanding who Jesus really is. And on this mountain, Jesus is showing these three and it's like, this is who I really am. And Mark wants us to fully get it. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anything in the world 
could bleach them is the word. This is a white, a white that we can't get our minds around. Uh, Meg and I, we like to paddleboard. So we were out uh, last weekend, and it was right at that magical time when the sun is like not quite setting, but it's like at that angle. And, and it comes on the water, and it glistens. You know what I'm talking about, glistening? Meg said to me as we were doing it, she's like, this is my favorite thing in the world. And I thought I, thought I was your favorite thing in the world, but <laughs> I'm like hiking, paddleboarding, Kurt, which I'll take a third, I guess. But it is sparkling white on the water. I actually hate the sparkling white in the water because I just can't, like, I don't know if it's my blue eyes or what, but I cannot look. It's like blinding to me, right? And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking, what is the widest thing that you could see? Like, I think this is close, but not even close. Does that make sense? Like the sparkling of water from the sun is the most white thing. This, and Mark says, it's not even something that bleach could take care of. There's nothing on earth that could make something this white, not even the sun glistening off the water. And he says this, and then it's the closest thing we think about. But here's what I want to say to that. When we worship, what do we picture? When we worship, what do we picture? Because one of the things that I want to be very clear on, because I was seriously challenged by this week, when I was praying, I was thinking about these verses, I felt the Lord really pointing me to this. Do you have in your head who Jesus really is? Do you have in your head who Jesus really is? Because in this moment at Transfiguration, Jesus is showing who he really is. Is And when he shows and declares who he really is, I don't think that we can respond the way that we usually respond. When we understand glory, when we understand his presence, do we worship and honor and give him fame and worship out of his splendor and his majesty? Because I don't think we can just go through the motions when we understand that. If you were up on this mountain and you saw Jesus for who he really is, again, he's showing who he was from the beginning of time and who he will be at the end of time. And he's like, I'm giving you just a glimpse of heaven here on earth. And the presence of Jesus always brings glory. It brings weight. It brings substance. And we have to respond. I thought this was where everyone was going to cheer. That's all right. That's all right. No, I don't want it. I want you to understand who Jesus is. I want you to understand who Jesus is because we come with a half-hearted view of who Jesus is, I think, a lot of times. Uh, Jesus is our Savior, yes, 100%. Jesus is the King of kings, but he's also the King of what? The King of glory. The King of glory. The King of majesty. The, clean, the King where you can't even look at him because it's so bright. We can't be passive when we understand that. Mark 9, 4 through 6, because there's more. And then appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Verse 6, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. They were so frightened. So if the transfiguration was not enough, we see Moses and Elijah, two great Old Testament characters. Why are they there? Right? That's the question. There's a lot going on. Both were prominent mediators of God's rule to the nation of Israel. Moses was the role of Israel's deliverer, right? 
and lawgiver, if you remember this, all right? And who was Elijah? Elijah was defender of Yahweh's worship and the future restorer of all things. These are two prominent characters. But what we also see is that if you remember, the Hebrew text is split into three sections, right? You have the law, you have the prophets, and you have the writings. What we see here is Moses represents the law, Elijah represents the prophets, and Moses and Elijah are establishing that the old and the new covenant, this is not a new religion that Jesus is starting. This is a fulfillment of the things that have always been pro been promised, okay? So he's glistening with white. He's talking to these two Old Testament characters or Hebrew scripture characters, uh, Moses and Elijah, two prominent ones, and they're getting a fuller glimpse of what is going on in the kingdom of God. And this is just part of his glory as well. From the beginning of time, it has always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. This church is all about Jesus, all right? Moses and Elijah had face-to-face -face moments with God as well. Jesus brings his disciples up to a high mountain. What do we know? De Deuteronomy 34, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. He had been with the Lord. He had been in his presence and his glory. And he radiated so much that when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid and came and to, to come near him. Moses experiences the presence of the Lord and he experiences glory and his face literally radiates. It radiated so much that people were like, I can't even get near this dude. That's who the Lord is. And we see Elijah, his words and his positioning here. Let's read it carefully. 1 Kings 19, 9 through 13. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. He has been zealous. He needs the Lord. He, he can't live without the Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are tr trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire became a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave, the presence of the Lord. Moses and Elijah both experienced the presence of the Lord. Most, both of these men experienced the glory of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord is radiating. And we see this at the transfiguration. Peter then speaks up. Peter says, again, to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Peter's response is very clear, I think, that He's like rabbi, which means teacher. It's the Hebrew word teacher. It's almost like he's like, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, I, you got to teach me, rabbi. Like, teacher, teach me what's going on. He said, and he says, it's good for me to be 
here. It's good for them to be here. He's like, I never want to leave this glorious experience. He's like, let's prolong this thing. I, I, I want to be clear here. Several times in my life, uh, several times through personal prayer time, uh, several times in corporate times, the presence of the Lord has come to me and on me in such a way that I can't even explain it. Like getting, getting shocked as a little basketball player on the 240 volt or whatever, the scoreboard. Like that's nothing compared to the glory of the Lord coming, the presence of the Lord coming. It is so intense and so wonderful at the same time. And you get a little glimpse of when what heaven is really like, all right? And what we see is that through uh, the weight and the significance when the Spirit comes and it gives us this little earthly perspective. And I tell you every time, I promise you every time, I'm like, I do not want this to end. I, I want to sit in this. And when you experience the presence of the Lord, you want to just sit in it. You don't want it to end. I need more of it. Guys, I desperately long for this for our church. I desperately do that we would come to a realization of what God is trying to do in our midst. That the Holy Spirit would be so active and that we would be able to say, Lord, I want more of your presence. And when we say, I want more of your presence, we would actually mean it. That's a big deal. That our hearts would be ready to receive it. This is not chasing some religious experience. That's not what I'm talking about. We will never have lights. I mean, we barely have lights in this church as is right now. This is like we just need Jesus. My heart longs to be in the presence of my Savior. My heart desires that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to each one of us in a powerful way. I want to skip ahead. I have the whole, the whole thing here, but Mark 9, 7. Then a cloud appeared and covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Now, remember, we talked about this earlier. Jesus had just delivered the tough word. You remember the tough word? He's like, I'm going to suffer and die. You got to carry your own cross too, right? We, we know this, right? This was the word that he, he said. Now he, he's, he's saying, I need to encourage them. And a cloud appears, and one more significant moment happens. In the cloud is God's awesome presence, okay? And, and what we see is that the Father speaks and declares that Jesus is the Son. Now, what is this parallel? What is this parallel? Do you guys know? Like this parallels the baptism, correct? So let's go to that. Mark 1, 9 through 11. At that time, Jesus from Nazareth and came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, said, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God speaks at the baptism as well. But you'll notice, what do you notice here? The tense changes. How he speaks about Jesus changes. In the baptism, he says, God says, you are my son. The baptism was an affirmation for Jesus. It was confirmation for Jesus at that moment. And here on the mountain, he changes it. And he says, this is my son who I love Listen to him. 
This is my son is for the disciples. This is for the disciples. It's for their assurance. It's for their encouragement because things are going to get tough. Things, they are stepping into uh, to the mission. They're stepping into the hard life that they're going to have to choose. And he's like, I need to give encouragement and assurance. And the command is clear. How do we do this? We listen to him. There, listening to him actually means we are to be obedient to him. And what's crazy about this story is that once again, more significant, Moses, one of the greatest figures in the history of the Old Testament, he was the mediator of the law again. And here there's a prophecy within Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Israelites were to listen to the Lord's prophet. And so there's a line of prophets that are going to come, right? But there's going to be one that is promised, one that is the greatest, one that you are to listen to, one that fulfills everything. And Moses and Elijah up there on the mountain with Jesus, God saying, this is my son, listen to him. It's the fulfillment of this prophecy. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant, and we are to listen and obey. Jesus is the chosen son in all his glory, the supreme revelation of our heavenly father. We are to listen to him. Hebrews lays this out clearly for us, all right? So this, these are the instructions. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, right at the beginning. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through him and, th and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The glory of the Lord is all over the first three verses in the book of Hebrews. Do we understand this? In a complicated and confusing word, world, this is good news. The world offers us unending, offers us unending self-help and different thoughts on how we are supposed to do things. And the Lord is like, do you not understand? It's all about the Son. The Son wants to speak to you. The Son wants you to, to reveal to you what you need to know. And not only that, but He is going to be all glory and perfect rest representation of who I am. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is the Jesus that we see on the mountain. And we have to understand that we just want more of that. When we worship, when we pray, when we get into God's word, these are like the things like that every pastor says, but I hope that you understand it, that it's not just going through the motions. This is not behavioralism. This is we get into his word and we get into his presence and we get into prayer because he's glorified. He's the perfect representative of our father and he wants to speak to us. He wants to guide us. He wants to tell us what we need and we just sit in his presence, but we have to understand that he's glory, that he's majesty. 
that there's splendor to him, that there's weight and significance to every word that he has for us. We should be like this. You're our, we are your servant. Just speak to us, Lord. That's my heart every time. I mean, I'm sorry to the building team. Uh, you, Jason, I don't think we can ever do that song again. I spilled my coffee all over here. So we're going to have to make a note of that. So we're going to be one of those churches that doesn't let coffee apparently in here. But I didn't even know. It. I didn't even care. Meg told me. Like, I just, wanted the, I just wanted God to move. I just wanted God to move. I wanted Jesus to come. And I was just like, speak to your people. Pour out your love. Anyone that's hurting, anyone that's in pain, just pour out your love. We just want your spirit. We just want more of you. It's not opening up your Bible and reading just for the sake of it. It's opening up your Bible and saying, this is the word of God. Speak to me. Whatever I have, spending time in prayer afterwards and saying, speak to me, Lord. And then we focus on the glory of Jesus, who he really is. And it puts it into perspective who he is and what he wants to do. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm tired of listening to the world. Like it, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing. But the noise is so loud. So loud. There is so much coming at you. And I talk about this every Sunday, but this is, I talked about it. I, I spoke at, at youth this week and it was all, we're going over the spiritual disciplines. Really awesome. There's 12 disciplines from Richard Foster's book, Celebration Discipline. Awesome stuff. And I talked about simplicity. And, and so I spoke about how do you live a life of simplicity for what? To crowd out the noise. There is so much noise and so much coming at you. Sometimes we have to go to the mountain. We have to go to the presence. We have to go in silence. We have to go into the world. We have to word. We have to go into prayer just to get outside the noise, to get outside of all the self-help, to get outside all the people telling you what to do and say, Lord, you are the one that I am to listen to. You are the one that I am to obey. But when our lives look like every other life and then we come here and we just go through the motion, I feel like the Lord is trying to move amongst us and some of us just have this like wall or cap and we want to break it, all right? Second Peter, uh, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of, the, our, of our Lord Jesus Christ in power but we're eyewitness of his majesty. Peter is saying to a church that's going through suffering, a people that's trying to figure this all out. He's like, I didn't make this up. I'm going to go to the transfiguration. He received honor and glory from the God, the Father, who when the, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We are, ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter didn't make this stuff up. The scriptures are very clear that this did not make this up. Amen. As Jesus was about to head to his execution, for you and for me, the three disciples get to see his majesty. That's what's happening. So this, why does Peter say this? Why did he do this? So that we could be so sure that he is our savior that he is who he said he was. He's a, Peter's like, I'm an eyewitness account. For me, I'm like looking at this, I'm like, how could anybody even make that up? This is so bizarre, right? Like for Peter, like that's next level making stuff up, right? 
on this mountain, Peter's like, I was an eyewitness to this. He is your Savior. In light of this, his glory is transforming for us. On the cross, Jesus guaranteed for us. He became the person responsible for our debts when he didn't have to. You and I, all the rebellion, all the junk in our lives, and all the things that we know are bad, but we go ahead and do. A lot of shaking heads and nodding. I feel you. Jesus is our Savior on the cross. He takes each one of our debts. And he talked about this earlier, but the word transfigured, this idea, this Greek word, this, this like metamorphosis, only two other times in the New Testament is it used. And it's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about us. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You are being transformed. You are not to live in this world. You are to live for another world. What we see is that Jesus was coming and he was showing the disciples just a glimpse of the other world. When I spend time in his presence, what am I getting? Here in my earthly perspective, I'm getting just a glimpse of the other world, of what God is doing in the heavenlies, of what God wants to do. This is why this is so important. This is why we don't go through the motions. Peter, James, and John get a glimpse of the other world, and we know that in our hearts we get just a glimpse of heaven on earth, and I want it so bad, and I want it for each of you so bad. This is not spiritual hyping. I will not let spiritual hyping happen in this church. There's no lights and flash, and I got to make you feel something. Multiple times, if you've been with our church the last few years, I've been so thankful for the Lord. I, I've prayed and just thanked him for this. This Holy Spirit has come in a profound way many times for us, and he always is in a gentle, like Elijah, a gentle, soft spirit. And every time it's like, Lord, what are you trying to say? And he's like, I want to give more of me to you guys. Right. If we just release it. But we have to transform. We have to renew our minds. We have to renew our minds, renew our minds. This is something, if you've ever raised kids, this is something you have to say over and over again. Renewing of your mind, renewing of your mind. We haven't really advanced much from that. Just FYI. Once you pass a kid, each one of us. Renew your mind. 2 Corinthians 3, we see it there. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Praise God. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed. We are being metamorphosized into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is so important. Mark 9 comes and speaks to you now, okay? The more you experience the glory of the Lord, the more you experience His presence, the more you spend time in prayer, the more time you spend in the Word, what do we see? The more we are transformed to be more like Him. We are transformed to be more free from our sins. We're transformed to be more free from our deaths and our fear and all of the junk that comes at us. Not behavior modification. 
That's the hard thing. There's disciplines that we have to have, but the disciplines are to get us into the presence of the Lord, to get us into the word and into prayer because we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are to be transformed by who he is and he wants to transform us. Ben, you can come on up. Saying when we behold the glory of the Lord, the more we are transformed to be more like him. Now Romans 8, I want to end with this. I'm not going to break this down. I just want to read this over you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love them. I think someone needs to hear that. In all things, God works for the good of those who love them, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. We share in his glory. I don't want to just go through the motions. Like I say this a lot, and every time the elders, I don't know if they get mad at me or not, but if we're just going through the motions, let's just shut this thing down. I'm dead serious. There's no reason to just go through the motions. I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to come here and not have a right perspective of who God really is. I don't want us when we're going through something or challenged by something or some pain or some sorrow or some place we need wisdom to not get into his presence, get into his glory together, to have the worldly perspective and the worldly thoughts and what we're supposed to do. But I want to say, this is who Jesus really is. Speak to us. We're called to listen to you. We know that you want to speak. And sometimes it's wait. I'm not saying every time I, I get some word from the Lord and all of a sudden it's going... But he always meets me with exactly what I need at that given moment, even when it's wait. But you have to create the space. Jesus, even to reveal himself, goes up to the mountain away. It's like, I'm going to reveal who I really am. And my question to you is like, when you worship, when you spend time with God, what's the thoughts that are in your head? Do they really understand who Jesus is? Do you really understand who God the Father is? Do you really understand Glory. Glory is not something we talk about in today's culture. It's all about self. And this is opposite of self. This is who God is and who you are. I wish I had better news on that because I think we all think we're higher than we are. But God, we can't even get our heads around your glory. We are your servant. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us put ourselves in rightful perspective of who God is. Let's go ahead and stand. Heavenly Father, I'm so glad that you give us exactly what we need at exactly the right time. 
I'm thankful for the three disciples to get to see you, Jesus, in all your glorified nature. That we, in light of this story, like Peter said, can be sure because he's an eyewitness account that who you are, that you are our Savior, that you chose to die for us, that you are our friend, and at the same time, you are the brightest white that we can't even get our heads around who you really are, Jesus. We thank you. So we worship you in your splendor. We worship you in your majesty. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, right now, anybody that first has been hurt by the church in any of these areas, Lord, I pray right now for freedom from that. Any area that has been manipulated when it comes to this in particular, Jesus. And Heavenly Father, I also pray for those who feel like they're not worthy to be in your presence. Lord, I pray that you would renew their minds, that they'd be transformed with the truth that on the cross, through your blood, that all was forgiven. We thank you, Lord. Lord, as we worship, will you put us in our right perspective and will you put you in, our, in the right perspective, Lord? We glorify your name. We hold it with honor and fame. We don't want average, Lord. We want all of you. Holy Spirit, come and speak to your people today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.